Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please, please enjoy the sermon the podcast. Of serving this body as an elder. We have uh, our lead pastor, David, and our pastor of catalyzation, Joey, are both out of town for the next two Sundays. Joey's over in Oxford, continuing his schoolwork over there. David's over in Ghana, visiting family. So we'll continue to pray for them as they are away. Um, If you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to serve this body. We have a number of other elders on the team, too. We've got you covered. We have a phenomenal staff that can support you as well. Feel free to reach out. Reach out to me. Reach out to anyone that you saw standing up here. You can also reach out to info at downtownhope.org with any needs that you have, and we can get that to the right place. So, um, We've been working our way through Revelation, and uh, it's been a phenomenal journey because it's not just reading Revelation. It's reading Revelation in light of the rest of Scripture, and so it's it's been a, a blessing for all of us. Our passage today comes from Revelation uh, 15 is what we will read together, and then I'll be covering 15 through 18, so those four chapters. Before we get started on that, let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you for the gift of your word. We pray that you would feed us this morning. We pray that we would be shaped, molded to be more like you. pray that we would not leave here unchanged, that you would change us into who you want us to be. Teach us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation 15. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also, the servant of God and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And after this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came seven angels to seven plagues, clothed in pure, bright linen, with gold sashes around their chests. And one of the living, the four living creatures gave to the seven angels golden bowls full of God's wrath who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary is filled with the smoke for the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this word. Continue to teach us this morning, I pray. Let only your truth remember this morning. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. So this passage references seven angels 
with seven bowls of God's wrath. These are plagues that get poured out. So that was chapter 15. Chapter 16 breaks down what these plagues are. The first plague is sores on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The second plague is the sea becoming like blood and it killed everything living in the sea. The third plague was rivers becoming like blood. The fourth plague, the sun was able to scorch people. The fifth plague, these are sometimes referred to as the unholy trinity. And they were performing signs and gathering people together to try to wage war against God. The seventh bowl was poured out into the air and a voice said, it is done. And there was lightning, thunder, earthquakes like the world had never seen before, and hail. And through all of these plagues, the power of God evident to everybody, the people remained unrepentant. They continued to curse God, seeing his power, cursing him anyway. Chapter 17 reveals the great prostitute Babylon, who is over many people, many nations. And we see infighting on the side of evil because the beast and his people hated the prostitute. Then in 18, we see the fall of Babylon and in her were evil spirits, unclean beasts, and those who indulge in lusts of sexual immorality, money, and power. There's just so much evil and so much pain in this passage of Revelation. It's a lot to take in. So let's take a step back and really understand what's going on here. As we referenced a number of times through this series, Revelation is best understood within the context of a beautiful song of worship. As you read through the Old Testament, the prophets, major and especially the minor prophets, very frequently when you see plagues referenced, God's judgment referenced, you see worship. Now this might seem a little bit odd, so let's really dig into it. Praises are important to take account. We need to understand why there is praise. We also need to correct for our natural bias. When we see pain and destruction, we see those bad things. And they are, generally, right? When God established his creation, he said again and again, this is good, this is good, this is very good. As we will see continuing in Revelation, as we understand more about heaven, what is God making heaven to be? An absence of death, of pain, destruction. We can easily see those things as good. So when we see God empowering his angels, giving them his wrath, it feels like something bad is going on. There is an element of truth to that, but that's only because there is evil in fact, that is what necessitates this judgment. God is a just God. More specifically, as we see here, God creates justice. There are only two possible paths for evil. On the one hand, there's sin that is confessed by a sinner who's accepting God's gift of forgiveness. 
In this case, Jesus took that sin and he was tortured and killed in our place. On the other all sin throughout all of history fits into one of these two ends. If God was not a God, a just God, it may be forgotten. The sin could be left off. But that's not who God is. Each of these sins from all of history, all evil, will end in one of these two ways. Either the gift of the Son taking on that judgment from us, or God's justice, his judgment, his wrath is rightly given out. To help us process this in a more relatable human way, let's consider the life of the one who physically wrote John. This was of physically wrote Revelation, which is John. So Revelation, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ given to John, right? Um, so John and his brother James, they were the sons of Zebedee. In Mark 3, Jesus calls them the sons of thunder. And like Peter, Peter, James, John, sometimes called the, the inner circle of Jesus, these were very outspoken and zealous individuals. In Luke 9, they wanted to put a stop to someone casting out demons because he wasn't going along with the disciples. And then when they were heading into a Samaritan village and the Samaritan village didn't welcome them, they wanted to call fire down from heaven to consume that village. Jesus corrected them in both times. But now let's take account of John's life. So here's this passionate, fiery guy. He certainly would have been aware of the mass infanticide that happened shortly after Jesus' birth. He grew up under oppressive Roman rule. And what should have been a safe haven for Jewish people, when Christ came, they got oppressive Jewish leaders. He saw his beloved friend, closer than a brother, tortured to death. Some of the very last words that Jesus gasped as he hung on the cross was to John, asking him to take care of his grieving mother. We read in Acts 12 that the Jewish and Roman oppression continued to the point where they killed John's brother, James. So here's this fiery, zealous, passionate man seeing all of these and just piling up time and again, nothing done. Where is the justice? Every person here has certainly experienced injustice firsthand countless times in their lives, certainly some more than others. All of these evils, all of these injustices, baby killers, rapists, the worst of the worst, getting away with their evil, where is their justice? Certainly John asked himself that. In this portion of the Revelation, those evils that John wasn't able to write on his own, the fire he wished he could have called down on those unrepentance of their evil, God gave him a glimpse of what it looks like when God repays that evil. 
2 Peter 3, 9 tells us that God is being patient, waiting for people to be repentant. But those that are ultimately unrepentant, those who side instead with the beast, they receive their just punishment. This is why these just punishments are so terrible. Because they are for all evil, for all time. That's why the prophets were worshiping God whenever they foretold these judgments. They could see God putting an end to evil itself. He provided ultimate judgment. Restoring ultimate good. As only he can. His might, his power, his sovereign nature ending all evil. With this in mind, think again of what Jesus did when he took our sin. He accepted the judgment from the Father that we deserve. We often read of the physical aspects of Jesus' torture and death. Here we get a glimpse of what it looks like in the spirit realm. God's wrath poured out. When Jesus prayed that the cup be removed from him, yet not my will, but your will be done. He knew he was taking on all of our sin. The sin of all believers of all time, past, present, future. He knew his father was just. God the Father justly did not hold back. God the Son drank the cup of God's wrath that was justly due for every sin placed on him. So what about us? What is our part in this passage? In these four chapters, there's a couple of verses that stand out from the rest. In the midst of all this judgment, all this evil being brought to its terrible end, we get two passages directed to us, to the church. If you have a red letter edition, this will stick out a little bit. Revelation 16:15. This is a parenthetical quote of what Jesus taught. Behold, I am coming like a thief. In Revelation 18.4, we read, Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, Babylon, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. So through these chapters, we see God at work, doing what only he can do. These verses are a reminder to us that he has a purpose for us. We can't bring the kind of justice that we see God bringing here. In fact, we prove time and again how much we are still in need of a Savior. Jesus completed that work on the cross so that we contribute to our salvation. But that doesn't mean there's nothing for us to do. We get commandments throughout the New Testament. We're taught what to do, what not to do, not because we will live perfect lives, because we're being taught how to speak, act, and live lives in a way that would glorify God. The Holy Spirit creates new life in us and then continually enables us to honor God. While on this earth, we're still not perfected, we are redeemed works in progress. 
God will complete that work. It just hasn't happened yet. That'll happen when he takes us home. These verses are to us to be active in the new life that God provided us. So the first verse tells us to be vigilant. It's not telling us when it tells us to keep our garments on, that you go to bed dressed in your Sunday best. Rather, think of it in light of a couple of other passages. 1 Peter 3, 4 says, But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Or likewise in Ephesians 6, we get the armor of God, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes, which is the word of God, praying at all times. These are the clothes that that first verse is talking about. Keep these on. Be vigilant in this. The second verse tells us to come out of the sinful world. Don't be caught up in it. Don't act like you are still a slave to sin. Jesus saved us, and we need to act like it. Don't slip back into the same things that tripped you up before. Live a life that honors God. Show God your love. Know that God is just and vengeance is his, so don't seek for shelter in things of this world. They are destined for destruction. For those that have been saved by Jesus, don't be afraid of this judgment. Jesus took our place. For those not yet saved, do take this as a wake-up call. We've all sinned. I have sinned. Every person here has sinned. We continue to wrestle against sin. There are only those two options. Either you accept that Jesus is Lord of your life, you confess your sins, and he will forgive you. Or this just judgment is for you. I don't want that for you. God certainly doesn't want that for you. 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10. I referenced it before, but I'll read it now. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burnt up and dissolved, and the earth and its works all that are done in it will be exposed. Come to Jesus and turn from your sins. Live a life of glory. Live a life to God's glory. Don't get sucked back into a sinful world. He is doing his work. Do what he calls you to do. Let's go ahead and pray. If this morning you are believing in Jesus for the first time as Lord and Savior, I welcome you to pray this in your own heart. Jesus, I know that I have done wrong. I have sinned. I deserve your judgment. I believe you are God's son. and You died on the cross in my place. I ask you to forgive my sin. 
and I accept you as Lord of my life. For those that are already saved, think about those in your life that God has placed who are not yet saved. How is God calling you to share his love with them? Pray that God would show you how to demonstrate his love to them. Share his good news with them. God, we thank you for being a just God. That when we look on evils that seem to go nowhere, to be left hanging, that we can know that justice will be done. We thank you also for being a loving God. Because justice, that judgment, your wrath should rightly fall on us. But you gave your son to take that wrath in our place. We thank you for that. We thank you that you are doing the work. We pray that you would strengthen us to do what you are calling us to do. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Mindful.